Kindness Can, the podcast, with radio personality Jane Lindley Thomas and psychologist Paul Bushell. Because every act of kindness, no matter how big or small, can change lives. In this series, Jane and Paul hope to enrich your life by giving you practical tools on how to be kinder in your relationships with yourself, with those around you, at home, work, and in your community. Welcome to the Kindness Can podcast from myself, Jane Lindley Thomas, and psychologist Paul Bushell. Paulie Paul, how are you doing? Oh my goodness, I'm just over the moon to be back in the recording studio with you talking all things kind and how we can grow a kinder relationship in the different parts of our life. Absolutely. So following on from our last conversation, uh, we were chatting about the concept of you can't pour from an empty cup, right? I've recently come to realize a little bit more understanding around this very spoken about cup is that it actually needs to be full to the top so it's overflowing because the overflow is to give to the people that you love in your life and the cup is actually for yourself. But we were chatting and I think sometimes we get a little bit confused or uh, maybe the lines become a bit blurred as to what is actually filling the cup and what is actually taking away from the cup. It has been such a joy for you and I um, to, in a post-pandemic world, to go around and talk with schools and corporates and community about, about this idea of being in a relationship with yourself and how we can nurture that relationship. Because if you want to have extra, if you want to be a kind member of your community, a kind co-worker, you've got to be filling up that cup so there's enough for you and there's some left over for everyone else. But One of the things that's really stood out to me in our travels, I love our car trips, Mm. I love our car trip chats, okay? (laughs) Um, That's where we collect a lot of wisdom. But yeah, in room, eye to eye, heart to heart with people, a theme that keeps cropping up is this idea that I I feel like I'm filling my cup. Like I'm really, thanks Jane and Paul, I'm working on a relationship with me and I'm trying different stuff. But some of the stuff that I'm trying actually seems to be depleting me Mm. and not filling me up. Yeah, I mean, it's always so interesting to me, again, when you're in a room with people and you say, right, who here, when they get into bed in the evening, uh, dips into a good book? And everyone kind of looks at you like, what? That's a book. (laughs) (laughs) Who here gets into bed and thinks they're just going to quickly check an email or pop onto this platform or that platform? And within a couple of seconds, time has passed. And 30 minutes has gone with that blue light flashing on your face as you doom scroll down the rabbit hole. And a line that I I love to speak around and about is comparison is the thief of joy. Because I'm not sure that a lot of people know that even though they're looking at these beautiful, inspiring things, our brain is sitting in the back with a clipboard going, my life doesn't actually look like that. And it starts to drive drive a low sense of self. So you put that phone down, go into dreamland and wake up in the morning, you never really feel like you're living up to what your life should be, the magic in your life, because you're always, your brain is always looking at other people's pictures and you feel like you've got the short straw. Well, I think in years gone by, I'm thinking about my parents, you'd arrive at school, drive at the driveway, and that would be your basis for comparison. And my mum might say something like, oh, did you see so-and-so got a new car? Or the neighbors on the left and right, that was the basis for your comparison. But when we are connecting with thousands and thousands of people and using that as the basis for our comparison, it's almost impossible 
uh, for our negative brain, okay, because it's pre-programmed to keep us safe and alive, be on the defense, that creepy crawly brain that's looking for little things that keep, can keep us improving and doing better, which equals comparison. Jeez, mm -hmm. that is a lot of comparison going on. And, and I think we justify it sometimes by saying, you know, being online is an absolute example uh, of what we're talking about today, how it feels like my downtime. It feels like my leisure time when I pop onto Instagram and it's my magazine. I mean, I've heard myself saying that. It's like reading a book or being on a magazine, but it's not quite the same because there's just so much comparative stuff happening in that space. So it becomes an example of what we call a negative resilience. Resilience, we know, is that wonderful ability that we have as human beings to push through, to work through adversity in our life. And it's a very, very useful thing to have. And we all dug deep into our resilience tool sets during the pandemic. Uh, and I suppose one of the things that we used uh, to stay connected with loved ones, to stay connected with the world uh, when we couldn't, was technology like social media. It was really useful. It was part of our resilience. But play that forward in a post-pandemic world, that becomes an example of a resilience that's no longer useful for us. In fact, it's turned into something which might be negative. Uh, in our life. And so we've got to kind of reflect on our re resiliences, the tools that we are using to make us more resilient in our life and check, are they really serving us? Yeah. I mean, I've had um, experience with like binge, binge social mediaing that I can imagine it's like the closest that I'm going to be to like gorge eating like a, bulim a bulimic person would. Like honestly, where you just sow down the rabbit hole and you're on one platform and you're the next and you're on marketplace. Then you are there and you put the phone down. There's actually like an indentation on the baby finger from where you've held your phone. And you actually feel that post fast food stiffness. You know what I mean? Like you almost, yeah. I almost feel like I need to go and shower yeah. because I feel so exhausted through scrolling through all of the stuff. It doesn't serve me. Sure. But as much as I know that, guess what? <laughs> yeah. It's it hard. happens again, it's and hard. it happens again. And then I actually think, I don't want this in my life. I hate yeah. this. Yeah. So I swing on the pendulum from, I've got infrastructure. This is what, how I'm going to manage it. And then slowly but slowly, the boundary begins to blur. And the next thing, I'm binging again. Sure. I often think with my phone, I arrive anxious, okay, because I've, I've, I've observed myself in moments of anxiety. I'm picking up the phone, and I, I hop. From, from app to app to app to app. I've got my whole little routine that I do. I go there, I go there, I go there. I arrive anxious, I hop between the apps and, and I go down that rabbit hole and I leave irritable. Mm. Uh, and I, I can see it in my behavior. I'm just a little bit like itchy, scratchy, irritable. Um, and that's not to say that there can't be joy in social media or in technology. I don't think either you are, are anti-technology, but we've got to learn how to manage this tool better in our life. The tail can't wag the dog. And it sometimes feels in my life, um, the tail is wagging the dog. And so we've got to start putting some measures in place to help us with that. So this morning I woke up, funny enough, and I woke up early um, and I took my phone, which usually sits next to my bed, which it probably shouldn't, but it does. And I took it through to the kitchen at Hoppers Five this morning and I left it there with my laptop and I went back with a cup of tea. Mm. And it changed the whole morning mm. for me. And it might not be like that every morning because it is hard uh, and I know we're all trying to juggle a lot. But just giving ourselves those breaks can be so useful because actually I didn't think it 
during the pandemic, I sometimes felt like I had too much free time or too much quiet time or too much time with my partner. Okay. But this morning it was so wonderful to, to have that emptiness, to, to have that quiet time. And that did feel incredibly restorative. I think the problem as well with the phone is that it is a smoke and mirror. Mm. So I love the way a friend actually phoned the other day and she said to me, um, how are you doing? Because when I look at social media, it looks like everything's good, but how are you actually doing? Yeah, tell me for real. Yeah, and I think for people that battle with mental health, um, that are only putting up a certain version of the highlight reel, it makes it very hard for your village to get to you if we don't have a true gauge of where you're at. Mm. So I would like to see social media more and more become that space of real, and you, you see it happening, just depends on who you follow, but that vulnerability um, of it's okay not to be okay. Because in a, in a world full of filters, again, it's just driving that low sense of self. Yeah, so if you are listening to this and you are yeah, struggling with something in your life, Far better than going onto social media to try and numb it or feeling like you've got to put on the best version of you because that's what resilient, brave, successful people do. Pick up the phone and phone someone that you trust uh, and have a real conversation today. And there's so many examples of these uh, negative resiliences. Uh, they can be things like distractions. So filling up our diaries with lots and lots of events, being busy is another example of that because if I'm doing lots of things, I'm juggling lots of balls. Uh, the person who's chasing lots of rabbits, okay, um, that must mean that I, I don't have to look at my hard stuff or that must mean that I'm doing fine. So watching out for, for that. I must say that I, I've, got, I've gotten good at that. Good. I think lowering the bar. I mean, I remember pre-pandemic, I used to have like a diary that had like 15 minutes between things. Now I'm like, oh, hell no, I don't have the muscle for that. So something in the morning, something in midday, possibly something in the afternoon. But that is where it ends. Because turnaround time, I don't have the stamina like I used to, so I've got to go gently. We've got to be gentle. Well, it's a good point you're raising as well. Um, because who you, you know, negative resilience can also refer to the fact that when I was younger, that could work for me or I could do it. But I've got to also drop the anchor, connect with me, this version of me, the here and now me. Uh, and also be sure that you know, some things that I could do in the past, I can't do anymore. And that's not failure. That's not me living a less purposeful life. That's actually me living the best version of me right now. I'm being mindful of that. Yeah, I think people-pleasing behavior, which I suppose also comes with filling our diaries, is another example of that. So it's kind of just being there for others all the time, feeling like we've got to serve. And, and anyway, I'm not saying that we should become unkind by any means. Okay, I think sharing kindness between human beings is the most magical thing imaginable. Um, but yeah, be, be careful of kind of I'm stuck in a script or a narrative where I've always got to play that certain person who says yes and does things and is available. It's okay to uh, go off script every now and then. There might be a few shocks, yeah. okay, a few gasps from the wings, okay, but it's okay. You have full permission uh, to, to change the script when, when you need to. Yeah, we always say that um, being kind is not always easy. Uh, being kind is also having those uncomfortable conversations with people and putting in the boundary and ring fencing and saying that's not okay. Um, it's, not, it's not easy, but the more you do it, the easier it becomes, right? Well, I love it when you and I, when we often turn to each other and say kind, not kind. Yeah. Okay. Kind, yeah. not kind. No. Okay. <laughs> so it seems so kind 
to say yes or do that, but to circle back to where we started this conversation, the wonderful piece of wisdom that, that you brought to the table today. This idea of, yeah, when I'm saying yes to something, what am I saying no to? So when I'm saying yes to all this stuff, all these people, all these acts of kindness, yeah, where is that leaving me in all of this? And I know we've, we've touched on this before, but it's such an important point that when I am saying yes to everything or always being available or always, in inverted commas, doing those kind things, not only where am I leaving myself, okay, but what am I role modeling to the people around me? Mm. And what kind of expectations am I setting in this rela- these relationships that I'm having? Maybe then I'm putting pressure on the people around me that they have to mirror that or match that in some way. Maybe the young people looking up at me, they're going to grow up to believe that that's how a good life looks. And we all know on the other end of all those yeses, all that people pleasing, all that busyness is burnout. Absolutely. I don't know why as, as people as well, we have to, we, we push ourselves to burnout in order for us to say, oh, maybe I'm doing too much. We've got to stop it before it gets to that space of absolute all fall down. And I know for me, with three young kids in my, in my family, I certainly don't want them to pedestalize over committing themselves as, as a picture of success. You know, I don't want my tombstone. I always say, Jane Denny Thomas, sure, she could multitask, hey? She was busy. Yo, she was so busy. <laughs> no, I want to be remembered for, for, for loving people mm. and caring for people. And just remember as well, as, as speaking to the parents in the room, that you have such a beautiful opportunity when you're failing to role model something really special for your kids. And I know in the moment, it just feels like, oh my gosh, this is so disastrous. But in those moments, you're actually giving your children access and permission to fail in their lives. And that is, it's so important. You never want to feel like you're raising children that have to live up to this picture of perfection because that is just going to end one way. Resilience is not taught or learned by everything going okay. Absolutely not. Resilience is learned through, in vivo, in life, through experiences and when I talk to parents, I'm so conscious of the fact that the world is complicated and the world is competitive and parents just want the best for their kids. Uh, I get that. I get that anxiety. So I'm not here judging it by any means. But if the thoughts that there might not be enough or the world is a hard place lead to feelings of anxiety and fear inside of me as a parent, I've got to be very careful of what I do with that feeling because the the default response is often to want to steamroll the path ahead, clear the path ahead, make it as simple as possible for my child because the world is hard enough as it is. Okay, I was at a talk the other day and someone spoke about the dry clean appearance. So I was going to arrive and just drop my kids at school and, and you'll do the dry cleaning and I'll get it. Okay, this idea that I'm going to just do things to to make it easy, to fix the path, clear the path. But in doing that, we are not creating opportunities for our kids to learn that they are resilient and that they, these are the ways that they can be resilient in their life. So I absolutely love what you're saying. It's okay to sometimes not have the answers. It's okay sometimes to mess up. It's okay sometimes even to manufacture that with your kids and say, I actually don't know, even when you do, and kind of sit with the frustration, sit with the uncertainty and be creative in how I work through that because that's how we learn how. I think that that actually leads into a beautiful segue for our next conversation uh, is kind of the concept of as a parent wanting to take the rocks out of the river. 
it's a place that you want to automatically go. Um, but yeah, let's let's pick this up next conversation. Uh, I just want to also end by saying, uh, just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're failing. Mm. I love you so much. And Paul and I look really forward to connecting on our next conversation in the Kindness Can podcast. Paul and I do kindness facilitation work and workshops in corporate spaces, in schools, in organizations. Uh, for more information and also maybe your brand uh, that wants to be involved in the Kindness Can podcast, oh, we'd love to have you. Uh, feel free to drop Diane an email. That's D-I-A-N-E, Diane at ecr.co.za. From myself, Jane Lindley Thomas. And myself, Paul Bushell. Be gentle with yourself. Go well. Lots of love. You've been listening to Kindness Can, the podcast. Find out more at kindnesscan.co.za.